Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Seahawks post-game show. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And I'm joined by Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. We are going to uh, spend a little bit of time breaking down the Seahawks 23 to 20 overtime loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in what was Geno Smith's first start for the Seahawks, first start in over four years. And uh, there was a surprisingly significant amount of things to go over uh, in this game. Jeff, before uh, we get into it, I do want to just make sure we take a second and send our best wishes to Daryl Taylor, who was carted off the field. Uh, You know, we don't know the details. Um, The latest report we heard was he had movement and feeling in all his extremities, which is really good news. Uh, He was on his way to the hospital. And, you know, you have to hope that it's a precautionary piece. They're very careful with anything related to neck injuries, and hopefully he's okay. But uh, I can't assume that. And so definitely uh, wishing him the best. Um, okay, Jeff, uh, let's get you started. What, what you know, off the cuff, what, what are your thoughts about what you saw tonight? It was an admirable effort. I thought the first half obviously was pretty gross and what a team looks like with a backup quarterback. Uh, my big takeaways from the game is, one, this was a game early in the year I sort of checked as a win and Pittsburgh was as bad as I thought they were. The fact that they go toe to toe with a very depleted Seahawks team 
So I have that. If Russell plays that game. That's a pretty easy win, I think, for Seattle. Um, big takeaways. There were some bright spots. I thought Trey Brown was offered a lot of excitement that play in overtime. Should have put the team in pretty good position. I thought the run game was pretty good tonight. I hated that holding call on Alex Collins. I thought that was a play. And um, there were times where I was annoyed that they were playing a little scared with Gino. They were keeping the training wheels on. But you see why in overtime, they probably did that. He fumbles the ball. The team doesn't really block TJ Ward. I mean, TJ Watt in the two biggest plays of the game. So there were some bright spots. There were some definitely things that could carry over from other games. Uh, the defense played better for sure. But the corners were a lot better once uh, Trey Brown came in and you saw some better things, but again, it just doesn't look like big picture. It's a lot of what you said. It doesn't look like a championship level team. And the fact that we got an entertaining game and that, that gave us a lot of things to laugh at and have fun with, you know, it was better a game than I thought it would be, to be honest. We, I thought it was going to be like a 26, 13, more similar to the first half. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There's, 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 um, there's a bunch of pieces to touch on. And yeah. I think, I guess I don't, I don't want to go too deep on it because I'll, I'll probably be the only person with this perspective, but I saw a bunch of people that had your, your point of view that if Russell's playing, this is an easy win. I'm not so sure. Like um, <laughs> the offense has struggled, uh, you know, various points during the year. Uh, they were having trouble protecting the passer. Russell certainly has gotten sacked plenty. The plays where they were making progress, where they, they were handing the ball off in the second half, like, every play would they have done that with russell wilson would russell wilson have stayed with that in the same way um i i just don't know that for sure um it's an easy win uh with russell i I think that probably he does better than gino but um the seahawks scored more points in the third quarter today than they've scored in any game this season so you know uh take that for what it's worth um so i i thought the (laughs) There's a lot of stories of the game, but can we talk about some of the funny moments for a second? Like, for sure. I was in hysterics when, <laughs> when Ben Roethlisberger rifled the ball and it just hit Jamal Adams' <laughs> face, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, could not have been a bigger moment. Jamal finally makes like a break. Like he's he's breaking on the ball in the right time, the right place. And he just like gets destroyed in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is just not his year. <laughs> no, right? Like, um I was laughing very hard at that too. <laughs> the poor guy cannot catch a break. I don't think he must not even think to try to like make a play on the ball he's just looking to hit somebody because i mean that just <laughs> that was one play that had me cracking up it, uh, there's others did you have a play uh that, that had you laughing well the fact that they fumbled twice on the fourth last drive of the fourth quarter i don't know what the hell dk was doing he's catching the ball right at the sideline all he's got to do is step out of bounds it's a great play they might even be able to run another play <laughs> he fumbles the ball uh DJ Dallas, I was cracking up when he caught it. He instantly fumbles the ball. He did scoop it up. And yeah. yeah. That that uh that play by DK, I mean, he means well. He's done some of those before, but 
as soon as someone makes contact with you in that situation, you've already gotten into field goal range and you picked up some extra yard, which was smart, but then just exit, like just take one step to your left and it's a perfect play, but he just kept fighting. I mean, in some ways, I don't know if he had, if he had not fumbled, if he would have been tackled, uh, tackled in bounds. Like it didn't yeah. look like he, his momentum was going to carry him out of bounds, which would have just been horrible. Uh, and they almost they almost lost. Um, so I, I'm going to remind people in chat live. Uh, I get people are emotional. I we are going to be putting anyone who all caps in a timeout. So like, please just make your points, but don't scream at people in the chat. Um, that's not what we want here. Uh, while we're at it, please give it take a chance to to give the show a like, uh, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, click the, the bell to get notified when we go live. And head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger to join up and join our Slack community, where there will certainly be a lot of conversations going on about this game. Um, yeah, the, the, the multiple fumbles, the fact that the CX had that fumble luck was crazy. Um, <laughs> there were some other plays. I mean, I don't know. The 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 Big Ben fumble, um, I mean, he's good. I think he's good for a turnover a game right now with the way he's playing. He finally made that play. and. I feel like that was the point where the Seahawks then ran the ball right away and got that holding call, right? Is that yeah, yeah, they run it right into the 25-yard line. They call holding. That was the last we saw of Alex Collins. Yeah, did he get hurt? I don't know. It was I saw someone mention on Twitter that he, he was. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything, but it was weird that they were like running. Travis Homer on the first play of overtime and, and DJ Dallas. Um, yeah, I've seen all through the chat, like people are just like Pete Carroll sucks and John Schneider sucks. And like, I get that general sentiment. This seems like a weird game to be calling out those guys. Like, I feel like the Seahawks, they outperformed pretty much all expectations. And especially when they went down 14, nothing, I feel like, if anything, that's a pretty encouraging uh, coaching outcome, I would think. I don't know what you think, Jeff. Yeah, like uh, they're clearly the undermanned team tonight. And I thought, more importantly, again, I looked at this more of a preseason approach than a game. I see, I know a lot of people are upset they lost, but to me, I want, I thought their youth and some of their young players and the key guys we're talking about moving forward with, I thought for the most part, there was a lot of promise in those guys. So, I'm more focused on that than guys. Listen, if we want to come up with negative things, they're certainly there. Their pass protection was not very good. They couldn't block TJ Watt. They were at the 50-yard line, third and five. They can't get a playoff. Third and two after uh, they're driving early in the game, and they lose. There's a lot of things you can complain about. Sure, Pete Carroll and John Schneider. But I don't think this is the game for that. I thought, I thought the Vikings game would be a good one for that. Uh, even the Rams game to an extent. <laughs> Yeah, kind of the Vikings game was pretty depressing considering how bad the Vikings have been since then. Uh, but tonight, like, I don't know. You know, they look, they did what they could with the backup quarterback. They went to overtime on the road in Pittsburgh. Like, we all predicted a loss. I thought they overachieved, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, there were some, I thought, some good performances, better than, better than they've played so far this year performances. A couple of guys that stood out to me. So, um, I, I mean, you got to start with Trey Brown. 
Yeah. First game, that tackle he made was amazing. Like that situation, that moment, the, the, like he could not give up a single yard um, from there and just a huge stick there. His coverage early in the game where he screened off, I think it was Chase Claypool, I'm not sure, but uh, that was amazing technique, just fantastic. He just looked great. And it was a little frustrating that they brought Sidney Jones in. I think all of us were frustrated that they brought him in after Trey Brown had looked good. Uh, unfortunately, Sidney Jones got hurt, but it was it was nice to see Trey Brown look like he might be someone that can help. Um, you know, maybe maybe now, maybe down the road as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was one of the more encouraging signs of the game. I thought Trey made the play in overtime where they, they get the ball and if they kick a field goal, they win the game. And I thought his coverage skills plays. I thought Claypool only finishing with what seven yards on two catches on like nine targets. I thought he was a guy who might roast the secondary. So I think him, he was pretty good. I thought DJ Reed drew a pretty big offensive pass interference penalty late in the game. But yeah, Trey Brown, I thought Trey Brown showed a lot of encouraging signs. And Sidney Jones just looked like a guy out there really every game. He's better than what we saw at Flowers. But yeah, uh, Trey Brown, at least again, he's a guy who is a, he's, he was everything that was he was advertised coming out of the draft. I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought um, Hoff Collins, I, I hope he's okay. I thought he looked great tonight. Um, I'm not sure Chris Carson would have had the yards that that Hoff Collins did tonight. I thought he ran creatively and strong. Um, uh, I thought um, – uh, who's the other guy I was going to bring up? I'm just trying to look. Oh, I thought DJ Reed had a pretty good game. Yeah, I, I agree competitive game at corner. Um, nice to say two corners who played relatively well. Um, you know, it's funny, Bobby and Jordan Brooks both finished with 14 tackles. I did not feel like Jordan Brooks had a good game. I thought his tackles were a lot like tackling guys nine yards down the field. I thought Bobby played pretty well. Um, so Dell Taylor, unfortunately, I mean, he, I think, thought was playing pretty well. It wasn't, like, great, but he was the only one getting close to pressure. The Seahawks end up with one quarterback hit and no sacks um, on the night. So that was that was a huge part of this game. Um, but, I mean, Jeff, overall, when you look at the defense, I mean, uh, they will not set the NFL record for a number of – consecutive games giving up over 450 yards they gave up 345 tonight I thought the defense played pretty well like all in all like they you know what what would your letter grade be for the Seahawks defense tonight yeah yeah on the road with an offense that wasn't really doing anything um you know I don't think they're going up against a great offense but you know, I think they kept the Seahawks in the game and, and did pretty well. Steelers ended up five for 14 on third downs. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh, and I thought they actually were relatively consistent in defending the run tonight. Um, you know, I think the Steelers clearly were just trying to run over the Seahawks and they, they really weren't able to do that. Um, how did the team perform relative to your expectations on offense? Uh, not how were they in general, because obviously they weren't great, but but relative to what you expected, how would you grade the Seahawks offense? Probably a C. 
Yeah. I found the third quarter of the run game was a real strength. I thought they, they were really clicking. I thought the two guards were opening up some pretty big holes in the, in the third quarter, but it seemed like they were playing. It reminded me a lot of watching offense when Tavares Jackson was the quarterback. And even like the fumble at the end was kind of similar to how he lost a couple of games. Um, there were just moments where it just felt like the training wheels were on Gino, where there was like a third and 10 and a key moment after the Hyder recovery. And they throw the, like the one yard pass to Freddie Swain behind the line of scrimmage. And they didn't really, it was the best part about watching Gino last week was he really looked like he cut it loose. Maybe that's because they didn't game plan him, maybe because they were already down double digits. But today he played like a guy, a coach who was playing with their backup quarterback. So really in the first half, there was pretty much nothing going. There was some nice place to the tight end, but and then over time you saw them in the last drive of the fourth quarter, you saw him cut it loose a little bit and he moved the ball down the field. So that was encouraging. He gave them a chance to win the game. They're moving up to the 50 yard line. I thought the throw he made to lock in overtime was very nice. But yeah. that, there wasn't a lot of standout plays. Some of the stuff we saw last week didn't show up this week and sort of what we expected. I didn't think Tyler Lockett would be a big factor with Geno Smith. I don't think they finished very well. He had what two catches in the game. Uh, DK was not targeted enough, in my opinion. Uh, he still ended up with seven targets, but how many were on that last drive? Two or three makes those two sideline catches that are pretty big. I thought they should have found a way to incorporate him a little easier, but Pittsburgh's got a good secondary. Um, so the offense was okay. There's moments where they look good. There's moments where they look awful. They obviously lose the game because of a fumble where they can't, he doesn't see TJ Watt coming, but Overall, it was fine. That's what you expect from a backup quarterback. He had more yards per pass than it been. Um, 6.5 yards per pass. I don't blame Geno Smith. That's what a backup quarterback looks like. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this. Geno Smith's not good. In yeah. fact, he's pretty bad. And um, I was actually disappointed with his performance tonight. I was hoping to see... Yes, I definitely thought the coaches were had the training wheels on, as you said, but I thought he looked like he needed him, to be honest. He looked tentative in a lot of his throws. He was not yeah. hitting the top of his drop and letting it go. That might have been because things were covered, but he he looked so much more comfortable last week coming in um, and throwing slants, throwing the ball down the field, um, you know, running and, and scrambling. And I, he just seemed, I think this game meant so much to him. I think he knows how much this is his, his last chance. To, to be more than just a backup and we all think that's like right you're not gonna be more than a backup but in his yeah, mind that's... this is his chance and so I think he had a lot of pressure on him tonight and it showed so I was disappointed for him and you know we talked about it. like he's he's good for in his career he's good for turnovers you know like you just know he's gonna turn the ball oh, over yeah you called on Wednesday it's a shame I was so sure it was like that throw he made to Tyler I fully expected when the camera panned over for that to be like settling into a Steelers <laughs> secondary hands but that was a great throw and I was like whoa this might happen but then at the end you know didn't carry the ball properly and and I feel for the guy I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on on oh. because like yeah he's he is what he is and I thought he gave the team a chance tonight and like you said that's what you hope hope to get out of your backup quarterback especially on the road tough environment Sunday night football um yeah so 
what i mean <laughs> well i guess one of the things i'm just kind of wondering i i feel like the seahawks win this game if that holding call isn't made on jamarco jones yeah. like do you think that that's too extreme of a like too homer of a take I don't think it's too, it's too homer. I think they probably would have scored another three points and they probably would have won by three. And they just, they were controlling the game at that point, 14, nothing and 17 all. And they get first, first, first down at the 25. It just seemed like the game was turning at that point. And I just, it just feels like the Seahawks, every time they're about to win games, so many times they just get that holding penalty, the back breaking holding penalty. This one was pretty ticky tack. I, I didn't like that call. But it never got outside the frame or anything. Like there was a little bit of a jersey tug, but like it was pretty minor. Yeah, I don't think that should have been called. There's you can call that every single play. That would have been first down at the Pittsburgh 19 yard line. Yeah. And then they didn't score a point on that try. Yeah. And I don't know if they would have settled for a field goal. I mean, you know what? I want to call out one guy a negative. Yeah. I thought Michael Dixon had a terrible game. Oof, he did. Because it just made me think of that drive where they get they end up throwing that third and like ten play to Freddie Swain and he loses yards. They're like the forty, and Swain and Dixon punts it through the end zone. It's just like a that was a sequence where I'm like, okay, I don't think they're gonna win. But well, and and not just that. I mean, part of the reason I don't kill the defense as much is Dixon had a 24-yard punt. Like, he completely started the Steelers' offense. They had zero points before that. Yeah. He gives them the ball, like, at midfield, practically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the defense needs help, man. They're not going to do it all on their own. Like, they, you know, and, and the Steelers basically just had a few little plays and then managed to get in. So, yeah, I agree with you. This is a disappointing game for Dixon. On the flip side, I kept expecting Jason. I expected him to <laughs> Every extra point, I expected to miss every field goal, and he, he made them all. So, I mean, clutched up, man. I fully expected him to miss that field goal after all that rigmarole. So did I. Like, that would have been total Seahawks football. I, I couldn't watch that at that point. I was like, I don't, I don't want to see him miss the field goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the Seahawks are now two and four. Um, oh, by the way, we're getting some updates on from Pete now. Damian Lewis has a sprained AC joint. Um, uh, so, and that they got a really good preliminary report on Daryl Taylor. Um, first CT scan was clear. Um, so Taylor didn't want to be carted off, but had to, as a precaution. So as we kind of talked about, they're super careful with any spinal neck injuries. They don't want to take any chance. And I'm glad, like, let's, let's take any risk out of it that they possibly can. Um, he does say that Alex Collins was hurt. He got hit in the hip and glute, and that's the reason he couldn't go in overtime, which is a big deal because the Seahawks are out with Chris Carson for the next three weeks. He's on IR. Rashad Penny is coming back. He might get all the carries uh, if, if, Travis Homer. if Alex Collins. Now, they do have – it's a Monday night game, um, I think, against yes, – there's another prime time game. Poor Networks. Geno Smith and Rashad Penny. Um, yeah, so, uh, nice. I want to call out nice, uh, tweet from Trey flowers, uh, that he really wanted. He said, I wanted that bad for you. Seven. Yeah. Smith. He's, uh, he's from all indications. He's really well liked on the team. Yeah. 
like I heard Luke Wilson even on like Canadian radio this week saying like he was one of his best friends on the team, one of his favorite guys. Yeah. But he's just a limited player. Oh man, that would have been fun. Can I, I tell would've... you can I tell you something uh uh a secret about this that's only yeah. between you and me? So you know, on our show, I picked the Seahawks to lose, and I went on uh, Pittsburgh, you know, podcast and picked the Seahawks to lose. But I also was like looking at this game, and I'm like, this is totally like the Steelers are not that good. The line is moving up like crazy. Geno Smith is a unknown. Maybe he plays better. So I went. And I actually bet on this game. <laughs> I bet the money line for the Seahawks to win. Oh man! And uh, sweet. The last time, the last time I bet on the Seahawks game, because I just don't bet that much. I, it's like a waste of money. But yeah, I wanted to have a little something more to cheer for tonight. The last time I bet on the Seahawks was 2007 when they were in Arizona. And you'll remember this game. Matt Hasselback is they're heading down to win the game. Matt Hasselbeck oh, goes to hand no. it off to Sean Alexander. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And they mess up the handoff. He fumbles, and Arizona recovers, and they go down and kick a field goal to win. I bet 500 bucks on that game. I don't bet. Like, I was so sure. I was like, this is the easiest. The Seahawks are absolutely going to win by three points or more. There's a two-and-a-half-point line. And that that happened. And I was like, I'm never, ever betting on the CX again. So I remember, I think after that, they stopped running like the rest of the season. Oh my God. It was so bad, dude. And and so, yeah, today I did, I went into the Snoqualmie Casino Sportbook for the first time uh, and, and laid some money on the Seahawks. And uh, there was a moment there. I was like, well, this actually might pay out, but uh, it was couple times been, in the fourth quarter, I'm like, okay, they might actually win this game, but they actually won. But yeah, it, won. yeah. It, it was rough. It was rough. Um, any, uh, I mean, uh, thoughts on, on Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and how they were used. I mean, we kind of talked about the differences about how Tyler might be used versus DK with Gino. Uh, it seemed like that came to fruition um, tonight. Yeah, I think Gino is just Lockett's more of a, I thought they would just run a little more simple routes, like play action, dump the ball in the flat to the tight end or get Lockett in space and stuff like that. But it seemed like they were trying to run an offense that just, there wasn't a lot of motion. There wasn't a lot of, we didn't see a lot of like the DK throws on time until that last drive. I thought that was one of the more encouraging things from this previous game. So I thought DK would be highly targeted. I think he got seven targets, and I think Lockett only had two catches. It was similar. I just think Lockett, the way he plays, suits Russell so well, and I didn't think he would suit Gino. And I thought I thought you might see more Disley and more Everett, but I think Everett had a couple of good plays early, but after that, nothing. Isn't that weird, dude? Like, Gerald Everett, you know – Number one free agent signing. They paid him more than any other free agent. He was their first free agent they signed. He had one, he had two catches tonight. One was like one of the first plays of the game. It's not the first play. And it was like a pop pass, like not pop pass, a shovel pass um, for like negative yardage. And then he had a 41 yard catch and run. And it was a pretty impressive catch and run. And it's like, why don't we do that? Like, why? Forget even this game. Like, I know he missed a couple of games with COVID, but when he was available, uh, Waldron and Russ did not seem to utilize him. And it feels like he's a weapon. 
Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It would have been nice to see that. Uh, there's that. How did you evaluate Waldron tonight? <sighs> Pretty poorly, I think. I agree. I, I thought he had a bad game. It was like a lot of those obvious screen plays at obvious times. Um, I think that you, it's hard to give him credit for the running game that worked in the third quarter. It really feels like Pete Carroll basically said, run the goddamn ball. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just thought there was like things were weirdly timed. Like there was a, in the third or fourth quarter, I think it was late in the third quarter, they're third and two. They're about to, they're, they're in the drive to tie the game. I think it was 17, 14. They just run the ball like down their throat, like the whole third quarter. And then they drop back and Geno Smith takes a 10 yard sack. Like, I don't know why you're not running the ball there. And then the next series, like they're starting to kind of lose and there, there's some obvious passing situations and they start running the ball in like second and 20. And there was that third and seven Homer run that worked out. There was some just, I don't know. I found myself like, I found like, you know, they were doing the wrong thing at the wrong time too many times in this game, but Again, it's hard to call a game with a backup quarterback, and it's not an easy job, but I, I didn't think he had a particularly good game. <laughs> I'm still laughing about the Jamal Adams. <laughs> Get off his face. Well, what do you think of this? I just saw this tweet from Brock Hewitt. It sort of jumped out to me. He said, Seahawks' effort was gritty. Seahawks' execution was spotty. Seahawks' youth was encouraging. Seahawks' football IQ was embarrassing. What do you, do you think? Come up, did you come away with that takeaway? Which part? The football IQ part? Yeah, like, it seemed pretty. Well, the, the DK play was definitely not a smart play. No. But, like, other than that, there wasn't a lot of. Yeah. I mean, you could argue the Geno scramble, but that wasn't like, I don't know. Again, that's just what happens with backup quarterbacks. Like, yeah. Travis Jackson that one year. I'm picturing a San Francisco game where they're driving down the field and he doesn't feel the guy coming. They strip sack him. Like it felt all like that. So let me ask you this, cause it's going to keep coming up. We'll talk probably more about it this week, but came out that Cam Newton has been vaccinated and there's certainly going to be folks that are like sign Cam Newton. What's your, after this game, are you like, yeah, go get Cam Newton. Are you like, yeah, just stay with Gino. Um, where do you come come down on this one? Um, I don't see the point of signing Cam Newton. He's such a limited player at this point in his career, and he doesn't know the offense. So if you sign him, he's only going to play, what, three games max? You come in and sign him. If you sign him to be the starter, he's going to play two or three games. He doesn't know the offense. You're going to have to design an offense that doesn't really fit DK or Tyler at all. Uh, if you saw him in New England last year, he – can't really throw the ball at this point of his career anymore. I, I don't see any value. I think that's pure fan fiction. I don't think you understand the game. They don't have the running game that pairs with Cam. And they don't really have the receivers that would really pair with Cam at this point. So DK and Tyler's best skill is getting vertical and getting down the field. Cam Newton does not have a deep ball anymore at this point of his career. If, if Russell was out for the entire season and – Maybe Pete's on his last legs or something. Maybe, sure. But Pete, I think that game probably inspired Pete in a weird way and probably recooked some fires. When we were talking about last week, he looked pretty, he looked pretty out of it. I think I feel like that game's probably the game that probably got his juices going again because 
I don't know. And if you're looking to get Pete fired, that's not the best thing or Pete leaving. So I'll back to your question though. I don't see Cam Newton. I don't, I think that's pure fan nonsense. That's completely wrong. Yeah. I, 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 I see it exactly like you do. So I'm not going to belabor it. I'll just reiterate your point about Russ. Like if, if Russ was at the full season, I think it's a different conversation, but two more games, maybe we don't know. Like there's some encouraging reports about where Russ is in his rehab. Um, I just don't know why you'd sign any other quarterback for two games. Um, uh, you know, if Gino goes out with an injury, then sure. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, it's, I get why people are saying that because it's like, it's a strange year. This is what I've started alluding to to you before the year. Right now, there's like five playoff teams in the NFC and they're all pretty much locked up. There's yeah. Arizona, there's Tampa, there's Green Bay, Dallas, and the Rams. Those are five teams there. But the next two, two more teams have to make the playoffs, and there's no other good teams in the NFC. It's all crap. So I get why people are trying to chase these wins. It's right now you're looking at New Orleans, Minnesota, Chicago, Carolina, Atlanta. Like those are the teams who are fighting for that last two playoff spots. So I get why people are trying to get these wins and they're fighting for it. But again, this is what we talk about. We want to be in that top five. We don't want to be scratching and clawing to make the playoffs in a down year in the conference. So trying to get Cam Newton to play two games versus Geno Smith. You're actually looking at the big picture. You're it's it's almost irrelevant. If they make the seventh seed, they're just gonna make the playoffs and lose in the first round. That's sort of yeah. 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 Well, um, I think we've kind of covered a lot of the bases on this one. Nice to hear that the Daryl Taylor sounds like we got an encouraging report there. Um, you know, I guess closing thoughts here, Jeff. Uh Where's your, you know, did this game change anything in your perspective about your outlook for the rest of the year, what you're hoping for, what you're kind of looking for? I think it just reemphasizes that I want to see a new vision and a new leadership group of this team. But realistically, no, that was a sort of the best case scenario in terms of like hoping the team plays a functional game. Um, obviously, it sucks if they keep losing because they don't have a first round pick. But mostly, again, I'm not looking at wins and losses at this point. I know you sort of alluded to the same thing. I want to see the guys that are moving forward and focus on those guys and how the team can get better in the future because I don't really care if they make the playoffs this year and what I think is a total meaningless. The six and seven spots in the NFC are going to suck. Yeah. And I don't really care. It's sort of like in the NBA, if you finish in the eighth seed. It reminds me of that. Like There's nothing worse than finishing the eighth seed, getting crushed in the first round, and then you're nowhere. So I want to see things that are more important for the future of this team. If Trey Brown is going to take a step, that's huge to me. If Daryl Taylor is healthy and that's not a serious injury, that's important. But really that game did not change any of my thought. I was almost in a, some twisted level hoping for more chaos, which would really make the game up. But that game was close. So I don't think that – I didn't get that at level satisfied. But, yeah, realistically I'd say nothing changed. Yeah, I'll just reiterate what I said a little bit earlier that I was, I leave the game, my, my, my most predominant feeling is impressed. Not that they're great, not that like there's anything like glowing, but as bad as they've been this year on offense and on defense, even on special teams and coaching, to be down 14 nothing and shown pretty much nothing uh, and looking like they're back in the same script of now the defense can't stop anybody and it's just going to snowball. 
for them to come out and not just end up getting back in the game, but tie it for them to do it in a style where they just out physical the, the Steelers, they ran it down their throats and they actually did what they intended to do, which is to get the Steelers to get out of the, the two deep defense that they were playing. And there's just been a very few times that I can think of in recent memory where the Seahawks have dictated anything to anybody on offense to where the defense is having to adjust. And then, you know, the Seahawks go from there. So I just, I have very low expectations for this team in general. And I thought that they exceeded them. And I thought there was a real chance they could end up winning this game. It would have been a little bit crazy, but so be it. That said, there's not going to be many games the rest of this year where I expect the Seahawks to win. doesn't matter if it's at home, on the road. I'm not going to go into the game against Jacksonville at home and be like, this is a lock at all. And I don't think anybody should. I just, I don't think the Seahawks are that good. And they're two and four now. I think that's what they are. And uh, so, man, one of those two wins, that 49ers game could have definitely gone differently. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if uh, that first half uh, had gone differently. So anyway, uh, I think we'll leave it there. Certainly disappointing to, to lose again. It was fun. I'm happy that I had something fun. But uh, man, Jeff, I wish I could say I don't care, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't slam my hand on a table when they gave up the second touchdown. We're down 14 up. And I just, I don't like seeing them lose. I don't like it. No matter I what. think the mo- I was most angry when they get the fumble. They are about to take the game over. They're starting at the 35, and they get no points in game. And they lose, like, they gain 20 yards of field position. I think that was where I was just like, shit. I was pretty pissed. But yeah. even when they, like, when I, didn't, I wasn't that upset when they lost the game when Geno fumbled. But I think that was the most upset I got through. And the holding penalty. Was I hate that. I think that the Steelers are like whining about bad calls against us too. <laughs> yeah, that bad memories for me. Yeah, I, I, I really will like. One of the the memories I'll have from this is Gino's the the shot of Gino realizing that he lost the fumble. That was just a player seeing his his dreams like just come crashing down i felt so bad for the dude i really like i, I really did they showed a pretty good amount of fights it's you know, a two-minute drill and joel adams potentially has that interception <laughs> oh my god what a god. Oh my yeah god. i know all right dude well thanks for joining tonight and thanks everybody else for coming on uh if you haven't already please give the show a like uh coming on here after a disappointing loss nice to at least get a thumbs up we appreciate that Click subscribe, uh, click the bell to get notified when we go live and go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, get immediate access to our Slack channel. Always a good time, always good conversations there. So appreciate it. And until we see you Wednesday night, have a great rest of your week.